Good morning, Eastside. It's good to be with you this morning. I'm excited about the word that the Lord has for us this Sunday morning. Let's pray and uh, just invite him to teach us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we worship you. God, we honor you. Thank you for your word that is life to us, that transforms us, Father, over my friends, over my family, over myself. God, I pray that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, God. Teach us about your calling. Teach us about your inheritance. Teach us about your power at work in us, Father. Teach us about the work of your spirit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We've been talking about this work of the Spirit in the life of the believer, and I want to continue that this morning. Pastor Alex made a statement uh, last week that that the transformed life is the greatest miracle. So I, I, I want to talk I want to talk to us this morning about um, just being filled with the Spirit. I want to talk to us this morning about the the work of God's Spirit in our lives, what that looks like, how we can engage Him, how we can walk. In the fullness of that. So where I wanted, where I want to start this morning is I know that we're in different places when it comes to what we'll call the baptism uh, with the Holy Spirit, and 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 some have bought in, and some have questions, and and some are completely comfortable, and and some are probably pretty uneasy based on things they've seen or heard or or things that 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 you know we don't understand. And so and so I know there's a lot of people in a lot of different places and. And I think the Lord wants to do a couple of things this morning. And, and so where I want to start is really with the idea that you can, you can settle the argument um, against the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can, you can settle the questions, um, and particularly the questions that say, is this God? Is this not God? Can, can, I, can I trust this experience? And where I want to start uh, with us this morning um, along those lines is, is right here. Um, part of the problem is the way that we talk about it. And, and so oftentimes we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's not that he owns it, right? And it's, it's like the car of Brandon, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He is, he is the water. God himself is, is the agent. We are, we are immersed in him. We are filled with him. And so it's the baptism with the Holy Spirit. John said, I baptize you with water. There's one coming after me. He'll baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And so I know that seems like a little bit of semantics, but I think it's a very important point that, that what we're talking about um, is being baptized in God himself, with God himself, by God himself. And that's the second point. That's the second point I want to make this morning is Jesus is the administrator. Jesus is the baptizer. He's the one that said, I'll send. We're going to go to John 16. And so you can go ahead and turn there, talk about that in just a moment. I'll send the comforter. Um, and, and then John tells us that that Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one that baptizes with fire. And so, so now we have the Holy Spirit is the, is the agent that we are baptized with. Jesus is the one who administrates this work in our life. And then, and then last but certainly not least, uh, the Father is the source. Jesus in Acts 1, we're also going to go there this morning. Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. And so the reason I say 
even though there's things that are uncomfortable, even though there's things that are challenging, even though there's things we don't understand, even though there's things where I would even say, this is weird, you can settle the, the question, you can settle the argument, can I trust this experience? Because it's not about trusting an experience, it's about trusting God. It's about trusting the, the Trinity and trusting the Holy Spirit being the agent and trusting Jesus being the baptizer and the sender and trusting the Father as being the source of this promise. Again, I, I, this is really on my heart this morning. I really, if you're, if you're wrestling with this or you've been asking these questions for years, the, there's provision from the Lord to, to settle things this morning um, and, 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 and to stop questioning an experience and to ask yourself, am I, am I questioning the Trinity? Um, because the Lord's given us a lot of clarity around this. So that's where I want to start. Let's go ahead and turn over to, to John 16, 7, because it's just, it's not a matter this morning. Are you baptized? Are you filled? Or are you not? It's a matter of God has an amazing life in him and experience with him and fullness of his spirit that we can all walk in. And so he's talking to, Jesus is talking to his disciples in John 16, and he, and he starts the conversation, and it's, it's pretty rough in the beginning. Basically, he's telling them about persecution that's coming, and he says, there's going to come a day where they're going to put you out of the synagogues, and those who kill you, they're going to think they're doing God's service. So obviously, can you imagine you hearing that conversation coming from Jesus? The disciples are upset. The disciples are sorrowful. And in the middle of all that context, I'm going to pick it up in five. Jesus says, now I go to wait, now I go to wait to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? Six, but because I've said these things to you about the persecution and about his leaving, sorrow has filled your heart. Seven, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. Um, it's to your advantage that I go away, is, is what Jesus told them. Some translations say, it's better for you that I go away. And I, I want to spend a little time on this statement right here, because I think it's important. And so oftentimes we just gloss over these things in Scripture. I think I've always read this verse. Um, it's better for you. It's to your advantage that, that I go away as like, <clears throat> well, Lord, it wasn't better for them, the disciples, because they were with you. Nothing could be better than being with you and walking the streets with you and, and, and listening personally to your, to your teaching and, and seeing you do ministry and doing. Nothing beats that, right? Would you, would you agree with me? So when he said it's better for you, he must have been talking about all the rest of us, right? It's better for me. It's better for you. It's better for disciples to come. But that pulls this scripture out of context. And so I just want to, I want to, I want to invite us this morning into the actual context of the passage which is Jesus looking at men who did life with him every day. And he said, it's better if I leave. And this life that we have right now, this experience that we have right now, this power, this fellowship, this ministry, it's better if I leave, go to the Father, and, and send the helper, send the comforter, send the Holy Spirit, to you. That experience down the road, it'll be better for you, Peter. It'll be better for you, James. It'll be better for you, John. I don't know about you, church, but that stretches me out to no end because we have that experience. 
We have that spirit available to live in us and available to come upon us, available to, to fellowship with us and empower us. And so that's really this place where I feel like wherever you are in this journey with the Holy Spirit, whether you're, you're questioning and you're allowing the Lord to settle those questions and you're finally going to say, you know what, whether I understand or not, I'm, I'm in. Like, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm desiring, I'm asking you, I'm willing to step out, I'm willing to look foolish, like I want everything you have for me. Or if you've been baptized and you've been filled and you've been filled, I just want to I just want to challenge you. I want to challenge me and say, are you walking an experience every day that you would say is better than walking with Jesus himself in the flesh? Because that's what he said this experience could be. But I don't think that's just a blank check. I think we have to, I think we have to engage God properly. I think our posture has to be, has to be right with the Spirit of God for, for this to be as rich as Jesus said it could be. So he goes on here in John 16, and he talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit to the world. He's going to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, of the judgment, and he gives those reasons. Um, but I want, to, I want to skip down to 12 where he says, I still have many things to say to you, to the disciples, but you cannot bear them now. 13, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he'll tell you things to come. He will glorify me for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he'll take of mine and he'll declare it to you. There is something that I've never seen before in verse 13 that I think is incredibly prophetic for where we are right now in my own life in the body of Christ what's happening in the nation what's happening in the world and just the state of affairs in 13 Jesus said the spirit of truth the one the one who will guide you into all truth God himself he does not speak on his own authority I just want to pause right there. I really want us to hear that this morning. I want you to hear it. I want me to hear it. I need to hear it. God himself does not speak on his own authority. Now, this is not a lesser version of God, right? The Spirit of God is not below Jesus. The Spirit of God is not below the Father. We certainly see Jesus echoing the same thing in John 5. The Son can do nothing of himself, but only what he sees the Father do, right? In verse 30 of, of John 5, as I hear, I judge. I don't do anything on my own initiative, right? But we can, we can kind of uh, uh, argue that away a little bit because it's Jesus in the flesh, but we can't argue it away far at all because that is our example. That is our, that is our posture for walking with the Father. But, but right here in John 16, the, the Spirit of God himself, Jesus says, he only speaks as he hears. He doesn't. He doesn't go out on his own. He doesn't do anything on his own initiative. He doesn't do anything on his own authority. Now, if, if, if there is that kind of submission in the Trinity, how much more for you and me? In a world, in a time, in a social media environment, in a church where, where everyone casts their opinion, where everyone has a voice, where everyone's a preacher and a prophet, right, on social media, and, and every, everyone gives their voice so much room and demands so much respect for their voice. Our God doesn't speak anything on his own authority. 
our God is submitted to the Father, submitted to the Son, and speaks only what He hears. I think if we're going to represent the Lord rightly in the times that lay ahead of this, this is going to have to be our heart's desire. This is going to have to be our, our goal in our walk with God and our ministry to others. Father, no, no more, no less. Just what you're saying. I don't need a platform for my opinion. I don't need to speak anything on my own authority. I don't need to build a name for, for myself. Notice Jesus said, the Spirit of God, He's not building Himself. He's, he's testifying of Jesus. He's taking of what belongs to Jesus and declaring that. Jesus said, He'll glorify me. Right? It's such a question for me. It's such a question for you. Am I, am I trying to exalt or, or build anything, or is it really about someone else? Is it really about building the Lord's kingdom. So, so verse 13, spend time there. Ask the Lord about that. Pray that through. I, I don't know that I can give it all to you now, but I certainly feel that it's incredibly important for us to see that, that in the ministry of the Holy Spirit, He only speaks what he, what he hears. He doesn't speak on His own authority. You know, so Jesus keeps on going, and, and he, he has this conversation with the disciples that they find very confusing. And He says, he says a little while, in verse 16, and you'll not see Me, and again a little while, and you'll see Me because I go to the Father. And the disciples, they're confused by this. They're, they're kind of frustrated by this, and, and they're saying in 18, what is this that He's saying a little while? We do not know what He's saying. It's okay. If you don't know what God's saying, you're not alone. Neither did the disciples, and they were face to face with Jesus, like, what is he saying? It's like, it's like he's speaking gibberish. We have, we have no idea. And, and Jesus just kind of keeps on saying, like, you'll lament and you'll have sorrow, but it'll be like, like a woman giving birth to a child, and as soon as the baby's born, the sorrow goes away. And then you, you get down to 25 through 33, and Jesus says, right now, I've, I've spoken to you figuratively, but there's coming a day where I'll speak to you plainly about the Father. And in 26, he says, In that day you'll ask in my name. I do not say that you shall pray the Father, that I shall pray the Father for you. The Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came forth from God. 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. As I think that verse 13 is incredibly important, I think that 29 and the couple of verses that follow are incredibly important for for you and I and church today. His disciples said to him, see, now you are speaking plainly, which is what they wanted him to do. So really what you have them saying is, now God, finally you're talking to me the way that I want you to talk to me. You're finally fitting in my box, Jesus. And, and look at what they say. Speaking plainly, using no figure of speech. 30, now we are sure. Three things. Now we are sure. Why are they sure? Because he's finally speaking to them the way that they want him to. So now, on that platform, Jesus, we're sure that you know all things. One, and you have and have no need that anyone should question you. Two, by this we believe that you came forth from God. Three, God, you're finally, you're finally jumping through the hoops just the way I want you to. And so now I know. Now I know. You know all things. You shouldn't be questioned. And you came forth from God. Look at Jesus' response. Jesus answered and said, do you now believe? I'm sure he's shocked. I'm sure he's appalled. Oh, you believe all these things because I'm finally doing 
I'm finally doing it the way you want me to do it. Can you see that? Can you see that in your heart, church? Can you see that in my heart? That there's this expectation. God, you would do it this way. You would speak this way. You would meet this time frame. That this would be your process. And, and, and when we experience moments with the Father that are like that, then we go, you really do know it all. Why do, why do I question you? you? You are God. Your name is faithful and true. And Jesus goes, now? Now do you believe? Here's the truth in 32. Indeed, the hour is coming, and yes, has now come. You'll be scattered, each to his own, and you'll leave me alone. And yet, I am not alone because the Father is with me. Every time we're, we're so sure on that platform of, of God doing it the way that we think that it needs to be done, Jesus' response is, now you believe? And then his response is, what you think is so sturdy right there, that... That is falling apart. So this is all a part of it's better for you that I go away, right? It's, it's, it's to your advantage that I go away. There's something that can be even greater than walking with Jesus in the flesh, and it's called walking in the fullness of the Spirit of God. But it's not a blank check, right? There has to be this leaning in. There has to be this dependence. There has to be, I'm not going to say anything on my own initiative. I'm not going to say anything on my own authority. This is not about my opinion or my preference. This is about hearing from the Spirit of God and, and sharing what He shares, saying what He says, and, 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 and in the way that He wants us to do it. We'll talk about that more here in just a moment. But then this is also about like, God, you don't have to fit in my box you don't have to speak the way I want, when I want, right? This is about blowing up the box and laying things wide open. This is when I think the, the fellowship with the Spirit and the way that we're hearing Him and what He's sharing, how He's sharing it, when He's sharing it, and empowering us to walk with Him and what He's doing in the church and what He's doing in the earth will go to a whole different dimension when, when our posture is in agreement with God. When, when we are as submissive as, as God himself is within the Trinity. And, and the Lord's doing that, and the Lord's posturing that. Turn over to Acts 1. Let's look at Acts 1 uh, quickly here, because what I, what I really want to bring out in, in Acts 1 is, is the baptism with the Holy Spirit, right? And walking in fellowship with him, and walking in this fullness, walking in this experience that Jesus says, this, this is better, right here, is he doesn't have a backup plan, right? And this is not bonus in the Christian life, right? Being baptized with the Holy Spirit is not an extra in the Christian life. It is not icing on the cake. This is God's plan for covering the earth with his glory. This is God's plan for his witness in the earth. This is God's plan for his church, for evangelism, for his kingdom coming. And, and one of the loudest things I think we can see here in Acts 1 verse 4 is, is this is the last thing that Jesus wanted to talk about before leaving earth. You'll see. We'll go through it here in 4 through 8. But in 9, I want you to see when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. Listen, if you knew, if I knew that, what, what time is it? It's, it's, it's mid-morning, right? If, if, if I knew that at 1 o'clock this afternoon, like Brandon, you are out of here. You're going home. You're going to be with Jesus at one o'clock. I go, what would I do with the three, four hours 
leading up to one o'clock, what would I do? This is what I would do. This is what you would do. We would gather together the people that we love the most, that we're the closest to, and we would say the things that are most important to us to the people that are most important to us. Isn't that what you would do? It's certainly what I would do. And guess what? I think it's what Jesus did. He gathered those that were closest to him, right? He gathered the most treasured relationships that he had in his life, and he spoke those things that were most dear to him. He spoke those things that were most important. Guess what he wanted to talk about, Jared? He wanted to talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. He wanted to talk about being filled with the Spirit of God and what this life is intended to look like. And he didn't want them to walk out on the promise from the Father. Remember what we talked about at the beginning. The promise is from the Father. You can trust the Father. It's why you can trust this work in your life because the Father is the source. We'll pick it up in four. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together and asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Isn't that like us, church? Jesus is wanting to talk about what he wants to do on the inside of us, in our hearts, in his church. And we just want to predict his return. It's okay. We can be encouraged in our dysfunction. The disciples were the same way. And he redirects them back and he says in 7, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. Wrong question. Wrong focus. There are a lot of voices out there that would just have you focus on, is Jesus coming back? Is Jesus coming back? When's he coming back? And I think the Lord would say the same thing. Stop focusing there and focus on living the life in him that we can live. Focus on living a life in him that can be better than walking with him in the flesh. Let your focus be right there. This being filled with the Holy Spirit in eight. You shall receive power. Focus on this right here. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. I want you to hear this, church. This is the last conversation that Jesus had before he left the planet. And what he said is, don't leave. Wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. And what it is, is the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. He lives in us, and He comes upon us. Both aspects are important, right? He lives in us, and He comes upon us. And this is, a, this is a, an endowment of power, right? This is a conversation about power. It's the one thing you can't fake. I can't fake in the Christian life. Right? We can, we, can, we can take inventory of, of our Christian life and how successful we're being on so many different things. What does our giving look like? What does our church attendance look like? What does our serving look like? Right? What does our, our, our faithful outreach to others look like? All these things that can be filled with life, but they can also be motions. But you can't fake the power of God in your life. You can't fake the anointing of God on your life. I can't fake that. And he said, this is, this is power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what? To be witnesses to me. Now, again, the way that we hear that so often, the way that I heard that most of my life was this right here. This will be power for you to go out and tell someone else about Jesus. And it is certainly that. But I want you to think about the word witness. What is it? Isn't it what you see? Isn't it what you hear? And Jesus says, this will be power to be, to be witnesses to me. This will be power to witness what I'm doing, what I'm saying, 
what I'm doing in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Right? What is this baptism with the Holy Spirit really all about? You know, as much as I love the gifts and as much as I love speaking in tongues, right? I do it all the time. It's about the ability to witness, to see what God's doing, to hear what God is saying, and take that in, one, and then give that away, two. There's a, there's a beautiful expression of this over in Acts 4, um, and, and, and what you walk into there is uh, Peter and, and John had just healed the, the crippled man, the lame man, at the gate beautiful. And, and everyone knows that a miracle's been done. And so the council gets involved and they're questioning, they're interrogating, and they're saying, you know, by what name and what power has this man been restored? And you have all that. And they, they, take, uh, they take them into custody and they're, they're questioning them. And, and eventually they're, they're threatened and they're beaten and all these things. And, and you kind of pick it up in uh, 17 with the council, 417, which says, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them, talking about the disciples, that from now on they speak to no man in this name. 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. 20, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. That's so important right there. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What is the seeing and what is the hearing? It is the power to witness God in action, to witness where he's going, to witness what he's saying, right? This is the seeing and this is the hearing. And so that is, that is the A part of witness, or that is the, the one part of the witness. And the two is, we cannot help but speak, right? They're testifying. They're testifying to their experience with God. They're testifying to their encounter. They're testifying to what they've seen and they've heard. Listen, I love the Word of God. You guys know that I love the Word of God. But this is, this is not the same as just parroting a Bible verse, right? This is having a, a, a living, breathing, often encounter with the God of the universe and then turning around and giving that away. Speaking that, praying that, ministering that. And, and I believe, perhaps more than anything else, this is what this, this baptism with the Holy Spirit, this is what this, this filling with the Holy Spirit is about the ability to, to witness God moving, take that in to our own hearts, and then, and then give it away. You know, here's the truth. We're going to finish this morning over in 1 Corinthians 2, so you can go ahead and turn over there. Um, we see a beautiful example of Paul walking this out with the Corinthian church. Um, and, and here's the truth of the matter. We're so quick to, to get ahead of the Lord and, and just move on our experience or move on what we think we know, move on our opinion, move on what we heard someone else say, move on what we think we need to fight for, try to fix someone else, all these things. We're so quick to move before we've witnessed, we've seen what God is doing in a situation, or we feel like we get revelation from the Lord and then we just run with it. And we're like the Galatians. 
Have you, have you begun in the Spirit? You're going to finish in the flesh? And we're so quick to do that. The truth about the baptism with the Holy Spirit and this infilling is it's a complete dependence on the Spirit of God. You know that if you move without hearing, it's going to be a mess. And, 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 and you also know, and we're going to see it right here, that even if you get revelation and, and then you're not leaning in at the point of getting that revelation for what to do with it, when to do it, how to do it, you're still going to make a mess, right? And so it's not like we need him. We can't go without him in the beginning, but even if we get him in the beginning, it's not like we, we don't need him for the middle. We don't need him for the end. We need him all the way through. It's, it's going to be a weird expression to kind of take in, but it's almost like we need revelation on the revelation. We need revelation for the revelation that we receive. And so there's this, there's this complete place of freedom and humility to say, Lord, I don't know. I just know I need you. I need to witness what you're doing, take that in, and then I need to, and then I need to further witness and see and hear about what to do with what you just showed me because now I need to know what you want me to do with what you just showed me. Do you see that? It sounds like I'm talking in circles, but I, I really want to focus here for the rest of our time this morning because so many people get some of what God is saying and then run with it and make a mess. I've done it. You've done it. Moses did it. When he killed the Egyptian, he knew he was the deliverer. Abraham did it with Ishmael, right? And so it's leaning in in the beginning, and then once we get some of the picture from God, leaning in even harder, leaning in even further. And what we can see in 1 Corinthians 2 is how Paul did that when he was with the Corinthians, right? When he says, we talked about this a little bit last week, when he says, I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech, I'm in 2-1, or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, sometimes we see that and we go, this is the way to preach. We just focus on Jesus and him crucified. And yes, it's a beautiful thing to focus on. But Paul isn't saying this is a, 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 an approach to preaching that is the right approach across the board all the time. What he's saying, if we, if we look further and we jump over to 3.1, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ, I fed you with milk. I couldn't feed you with solid food because you're carnal. You're immature, right? What, what Paul did was, this is Paul, who saw the Lord, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, right? Who was full of revelation, who, who was taken to the third heaven, who had revelation upon revelation upon revelation upon revelation to share. He got in front of a group of people with the revelation from God and got further revelation from the Spirit of God that that group of people weren't ready for all the revelation that he had, all the wisdom from God that he had. In fact, Paul, all they're ready for is Christ and him crucified. So you be among these people with weakness and fear and trembling, leaning in the whole time, understanding how I want you to approach the revelation that I've given you, understanding what they're ready for, understanding what they're not ready for. Can you see the leaning in? Can you see the dependence? This is where we have to get to if it's really going to be better than walking with Jesus himself. This posture of the heart. Oh God, I need you. And I need you in the beginning. I need you for the revelation. Then when you give me the revelation, I need you for how I walk out the revelation. Because everyone's in a different spot. Everyone's in a different process. 
There's no formula that works across the board. There's no approach that's going to be the same approach all the time. The formula that works is leaning into the Spirit of God with all that we are. And when we do that well, the people that we're ministering to, their faith won't be in the wisdom of men. It'll be in the power of God. And you see that as we walk through. In 6, Paul says, however, we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. There are times where we speak this wisdom, and it is from God, but it's not the wisdom of this age. It's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's not of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Listen, hear this, church. The rulers of this age, they're coming to nothing. The rulers of this age are coming to nothing. Stop looking to government. Stop looking to the president, the Senate, the Congress, right? The prophets that are out there at times, you know, speaking, speaking visions of their own heart that's out there, right? There's some true and there's some false. But stop looking to, to the wisdom of man for what God's doing. It comes by His Spirit. And we see that in 9. Eye has not seen, nor has ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. So oftentimes we step out right there, throw up our hands and go, see, it's impossible. It's not impossible. Read the next verse. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Stop looking to the news. Stop looking to social media for what God's doing. You're not going to find it there. It's not of the eyes. It's not of the ears. And it's not of the imagination of man. It is by the Spirit. Paul goes on saying, What man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? In 12 he says, listen to this. You want to know what this is all about? Listen to 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. This is why you have the Holy Spirit living in you. This is why you have the Holy Spirit that God wants to bring upon you and empower you to witness Him so that you can see the things that God has prepared, right? So you can know the things that have been freely given. But this is what I love, and this is one of those things where it's like, oh, Lord, keep posturing us toward more and more dependence in you. Paul says in 13, these things, what things is he talking about? The things that God has prepared... And the things freely given by God, those things, right? Revelation, we get them by revelation. He said, these things we also speak. So, so Paul's saying, we get these things, we get them by revelation, one, and now we're going to speak them, two, or give them away. See, this is our relationship with him, but this is our relationship with each other. These things... We also speak. Listen, don't miss this. We're wrapping up. Don't miss this. We speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches. See, we can't take what God's saying and then, and then be natural from there, even in ourselves, right? Try to, try to take it there in the natural or expect someone else to get it in the natural. It's it's spiritual, spiritual. It comes by revelation. It's received by revelation. Listen, we speak these things, but not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. I love this so much, and here's why. We need revelation, church. You want to know what the hope for right now is? 
hope in this nation, hope in the church, hope in your marriage, hope in parenting your children, hope in friendships, right? Hope in ministry. Here's the hope. Things revealed from the Spirit of God. But even when we get those things revealed from the Spirit of God, we have to speak them with words taught by the Spirit of God. Did you get that in 13? Even the things revealed, even the revelation has to be applied or distributed, walked out, put into practice. In this case, spoken by what's taught by the Spirit of God. What are you saying, Brandon? Lean in. Lean in. Don't lean into what you know. Don't lean into what you think you know. Don't lean into to what your friend's saying who, who, who hasn't spent time with Jesus in weeks, months. Don't lean into the media. Lean into the Spirit of God so, so you can get the things that have been freely given, so you can get the things that have been prepared. And then when you get those, lean in even deeper to see what the Lord would have you do with those. Father, did you give me that for prayer? Did you give me that for encouragement? When, when do I do that? How do I do that? What's the, what's the posture there? That's what Paul, Paul could have blown this thing up with the Corinthians if he just went in, just spouting off all that God had showed him, right? He had revelation and then he got revelation on what to do with the revelation that he had. And as a, as a result, a people divided and a people prideful and a people shallow and self-consumed got an opportunity to grow up in Christ. Let me pray for you. Father, we need you, God. We need you. I pray that we would blow up the box of thinking that you need to speak to us, God, in the way that we want to be spoken to. Father, I pray that we would, we would believe, God, that this walk that we can have with your Spirit, this empowerment, God, this, this fellowship that we can have with your Spirit, it can be even better than walking with you in the flesh. You said that to those men who were walking with you. I pray that we would believe that, Father. I pray that we would stop treating the baptism with the Holy Spirit as a bonus or icing on the cake in the Christian life or those things that the real mature or real, real crazy or real daring Christians do. No, this is what it looks like to follow you, Jesus, to witness what you're doing, to see and to hear, and then, God, to lean in further to see what you would have us do with what we've seen and what we heard, Father. You say this at the, end of, um, at the end of 1 Corinthians 2. These things are spiritually discerned. The one who is spiritual discerns all things, judges all things. He himself, he's discerned or judged by no man. Father, I pray, God, that, that we, would, we would take inventory, we would take measure of how spiritual we really are. And we would do that not by our attendance, not, not, by our, not by our service, not by our giving, Father. All these things are important. But you said, the one who is spiritual discerns. Father, let us judge it right there, God, the way you did. You want to be spiritual? You think you're spiritual? Discern. What are, you, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? How are you leaning in to see how God would have you walk out what you're seeing and hearing 
We need revelation, Father. And I pray that we would see that this morning. I pray that you would create humility in our hearts, God. We would see how much we really need you from the beginning, in the middle, to the end. That, God, you would create hunger. And that we would be like Paul saying, not only have I not arrived, I'm not even close. There's so much out in front, so much to lean into, so much more. I pray that we would seek you, Father, with all that we are. Because I know when we do that, when we seek you, we'll find you. I pray blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.